Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This morning we begin uh, a new series for this Easter season about living hope. Uh, the title of the first song that we use in our worship today, and also words that we see in First Peter. Living hope is what uh, will carry us through this Easter season from now until Pentecost. And it's found in First Peter. We'll spend time in um, each chapter of First Peter, a couple of weeks in chapter 1, and then we'll move on from there. But this is a book that's addressed to the early church, to believers about living out their faith, uh, people of faith, and how that, what that looks like in real life. Peter's life was radically changed through his encounters with Jesus. Peter is the disciple. He was one of the fishermen in the, in the boat along the sea. And, and so he left his career, he left his livelihood, he left family in order to follow Jesus. And that changed everything really about him. He was a disciple who was brash and outspoken. He was the one who walked on water. He was the one who raised John to the tomb, and we read that last week. Peter's encounters with Jesus took him from fisherman to disciple to apostle to martyr. And this book of First Peter unpacks some of the themes of his life and some of what he experienced along with this idea of hope. Peter uses hope several times in the book and other connected themes connected to hope. Hope is a word that's that we often use, that we talk about in terms of uh, things that we desire. So the question for us this morning is where, where do we have our hope? Where's our hope placed? In this time right now with, with sheltering in place and mo- much of our country um, restricted in our movements, in our economies, in the things that we can do, yeah, essential businesses and essential services and essential travel is still allowed, but we're in this kind of feeling stuck. We've been doing this now for a month, and, and, and where's the hope in it? For many, the hope is in, in the medical community to find a, a cure to create an immunization for it. And that's okay to be hopeful for that. We should hope for that. We, we want the, the disease to be handled, we want to have immunity from it. We want to be able to at least get back to interacting with people once again. So we hope for that. We also have hope in government, in local and state and national leaders, even leaders of other nations. We hope that they will make the right decisions. We hope that the decisions they make will be carried out effectively. And it's okay to hope for that. We do hope that the right decisions are made, that the right people, the right voices are heard, that the the right combination of how we should do things moving forward is what we arrive at, and we hope for things to get better in that way. How about our economy? And all the financial struggles that people are enduring because of not being able to work and millions of people filing for unemployment and businesses that are barely getting by or maybe some that are going to declare bankruptcy and, and go out of business because of this, um, all of the, these things. And, and, or maybe your hope is in you know, being able to 
still have a job and your hope is in your employer. And it's okay to hope for those things. It's okay to hope that, that our economy doesn't get worse than it is, that it continues maybe on this trajectory to get, to get better. And, of course, the, the first couple of things play a big role in what happens economically. If we can get this virus behind us, it'll certainly help. If the government leaders make the right decisions and those are carried out well, it'll certainly help. And so we hope that there's not economic suffering that's widespread, that devastates families for generations, possibly. We hope for that, and that's okay. But any hope in a person, in an institution, in a company, in a government falls short of the hope that we're talking about today. Because we are blessed to live in the hope of Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. I love the word hope. See, hope when there's a problem, expects that there's a solution. Hope, when there's a situation that is difficult, expects resolution, expects things to get better. When there's suffering, expects there's an end to that suffering. And that's why the hope of Easter is so important. Hope is forward-looking, rooted in faith, positive in its expectation. And the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus gives us this hope that we have. I got an email last week with a quote from Yaroslav Pelikan, um, a former Lutheran theologian who said this, if Christ is risen, then nothing else matters. If Christ is not risen, then nothing else matters. Give me a second to think about that. If Christ is risen, nothing else matters because the hope we have through Easter, through the empty tomb, through the resurrection of Jesus is the hope that we need and nothing else matters. Viruses don't matter. The economy doesn't matter. Decisions of the government don't matter. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. That's what matters. If Christ is not risen, not only does nothing else matter, Nothing really matters at all. I mean, family still matters. We still have relationships. We still want to enjoy life. But if Christ is not risen, then nothing else matters. Nothing else is long-term. Nothing else is permanent. Nothing is forever. That's why the resurrection of Jesus is so important. In our gospel account today, from John chapter 20, it's Jesus showing up after the resurrection and brings those words to his disciples, peace be with you. In the first scene twice, and then when Thomas is there and Jesus comes again, again he says it, peace be with you. At their shock, peace be with you. To their grief, peace be with you. To any other concerns that they had, emotions they were feeling, devastation, frustration, disappointment, even anger, peace be with you. Peter needed that peace. 
Peter, the author of this, of this book that we'll be in for the next several weeks, needed that peace. Because Peter's the one who, who firmly, confidently said to Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I would never deny you, Jesus. But then what happened? In the chronology of the events, this is just a few days ago. For us, it feels like a while ago because Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, that's now, that's a week and a half. So much has happened. But for Peter, that's probably all he could think about, was that he had denied Jesus And here was Jesus showing up. And speaking these words that Peter so desperately needed to hear, peace be with you. Thomas was stuck in grief and denial. More about Thomas in a bit. But do you need peace? Do you need peace with God today? Have you lingered on doubts, on disappointments, on grief, on sorrow, on things that have drug you down into the depths. And so you need peace. The peace that Jesus brings to the disciples in that upper room is our peace too, because we are born again by God's mercy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 when I looked at my phone this morning, I get a, an update each day or a notification from the Bible app with just one verse most of the time, just one verse in it. And today's verse of the day was 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And that's the words that we'll focus on, the, the words that set the tone for this series. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus was raised from death to life. And we are born again by water and the spirit, born again with Jesus into this living hope, connected to his resurrection through faith, through baptism, brought again with Christ, buried with him in baptism, and raised to new life. Those are Paul's words from Romans, but they apply here because we are born again. Born again into this hope that we have and our inheritance awaits. Moving into verse 4, Peter writes this, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. My dad is a probate attorney, has done a lot of work in estates and wills and trusts and those things that have a lot to do with inheritance. He's helped people settle estates for years and years, and so I I remember just kind of paying attention to that, not close attention, but enough to know how it works. The inheritance is received by the heir after the death of the benefactor. Our inheritance is through Jesus because his death has paid the price and the penalty for our sin. 
But because of his resurrection, our inheritance is guaranteed. It's kept. In Peter's words, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Most of the things that would be contained in the estate of people would be things that are perishable. Monetary things, even homes or land or possessions. None of which is permanent, but our inheritance is permanent and it's sure and it's certain. Maybe you've heard the expression, the only, the only things that are sure in life are death and taxes. Well, a couple of days ago should have been the day that we file our taxes. And yet we didn't because of what's going on. So maybe there's not even that much certainty. Our inheritance is certain. It is sure. It is promised. It is guaranteed because Jesus lives. And so we rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Verse 6, in this, in this hope, in this faith, in this salvation, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. We can rejoice through challenges we face. Not because of challenges, but in spite of them. What's your challenge? What's your trial? What are you facing? Collectively, we're all facing this uncertain time. We don't know how long it will last. We don't know what changes might happen. We don't know what direction this thing might go. We have expectations and we are hopeful, but it's a lot of uncertainty, right? And it's complicated to be working from home and to be spending most of our days either in our houses or just walking around our neighborhoods, not going very far. It's different. And with all things that change and are different, there's consequences. There's things that our minds do when we're facing that kind of challenge. And so maybe you felt isolated. Maybe you felt trapped, stuck, bored. I don't know. Maybe there's something else that seems so much bigger than the collective hardship that everyone's facing. Something in your life that is harder to deal with than what's on the news every time you turn it on and all the headlines when you scroll through a news feed. Maybe there's something in your life that's so much bigger and so much heavier and so much more difficult that you You don't want to think about coronavirus and COVID-19 and all of that because this other thing is so big and so difficult. Or maybe, maybe this virus, maybe this associated disease is your thing and maybe it's really difficult for you, harder than for most. There is hardship in this. Illness, isolation, fear for some. If a family member or a friend or a person you know has contracted the illness, then there's a lot of uncertainty and even fear of loss. But through all of this, 
through all of our experience, through all of our suffering, through all of our hardship, through all the things that we endure, we rejoice in Jesus. Corona might mean crown, but Jesus is still the king. And genuine faith results in praise. These words are in verses 7 and 8. So that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. That's our faith. We've not seen Jesus. Not in the way the disciples did who were gathered in that upper room when Jesus showed up physically in his glorified post-resurrection body, but yet with the prints of the nails and the injury to his side still, still afflicting him, still visible with him. We have not seen Jesus the same way, and yet we believe. Interacting with Thomas in John chapter 20, Jesus brings peace to him. Thomas is the one, unless I see, unless I touch. And then eight days later, Jesus is there. I think it's intentional that John 20 doesn't tell us whether Thomas reached out his fingers or his hand. I think that's left unsaid to be a lingering question. Did Thomas touch Jesus or not? We don't know. But what we do know is more important than the touching, it's the faith that Thomas declares. My Lord and my God. And Jesus responds, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. We haven't seen Jesus, but we believe in him. And that faith that we have in him is expressed in gratitude to God, in worship of Jesus, in praise that we bring. In this virtual space, we can praise. But our praise is not limited to this time in this place. We can praise God with each breath. We can praise God in each day. We can praise Jesus by living for him and sharing our hope. Because hope can be contagious. Right now, we're spending a lot of time and energy and effort and even money, to contain what's contagious, to limit exposure, to keep our distance from people. And all of that is important. But we want to be contagious in our hope, even still. We want to share what we have. Our outlook on life doesn't depend on our circumstances. The end of verse 8 says, Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Maybe you've heard this uh, expression, if life, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. 
life has given us all kinds of circumstances, and we can make the best of that through faith in Jesus. We can make the most of life by living in hope and in the joy of Easter each day. See, our outlook doesn't depend on our circumstances, and so we can find joy in hardship like we've already talked about. And that hope, that forward-looking expectation of what is yet to come because we know the risen Savior overflows. Joy overflows through how we live, connected to faith. The Bible class that we'll be in for the next several weeks is called Salt and Light. And, and those that focuses on words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. It describes people, believers, as salt and light. And we connect those ideas to the, the things that we do, the, the ways that we live. You're welcome to explore that with us as we venture into that class following worship today. But this is how it can look in our lives. Joy can overflow. Smile. And people smile back. Share joy, and that joy gets extended. Give it away, and you still have it. Greet your neighbors as you are able, safely during this time. We have Adirondack chairs around a fire pit in our backyard. And... Um, I don't know, probably two weeks ago now. Paula had the idea, let's bring a couple of these chairs out into the front yard. And so we have these Adirondack chairs in front of our lemon tree that's right in front of our house with a little table that's sat on our porch the whole time we've lived in this house and we've barely ever used it. And so we've put that in between the chairs and sometimes in the mornings we'll go out there and sip our coffee. Sometime in the afternoons we'll be sitting out in these chairs just in the front yard. We don't know who we're going to see, but it seems like we see somebody almost every time we're out there. A neighbor walking up or down the street. Kids from the neighborhood riding by on bikes. People out walking a dog. And among our neighbors, there are several whom we know, at least their names, and so we'll greet them and say hello, and they stay on the sidewalk, and we stay in the chairs, and so there's distance between us, but we share a few minutes. We share a greeting. We say hello, and we check in. How are you doing? How's, how's life? How are things going? You can learn a lot about people a few minutes at a time, many times over. And we can share the joy of Easter in those moments, in those greetings. We can share the hope that we have in Jesus, the risen Savior. We can share his love and this joy that is found in nothing other than the resurrection of Christ. That's our hope. It's a living hope. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.